Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane, and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck-to-paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Ooh, boy, I am excited. I have been wanting to talk to this guest for over a year, and we finally, finally, finally made it happen. Today, I am talking with Rochelle Golden. She is a salon owner in New Jersey. She owns House of Gold. And let me tell you what, her story, I find it so inspiring. I love anyone who um, can muster up enough courage to literally, in this case, pull themselves up from the ashes. She has an absolutely amazing story of starting over, resilience, hard-headedness, if you want to call it, as you'll hear us uh, refer to sometimes in this episode. Um, And I'm just very happy I get a chance to chat with her and I get to share it with you because I truly believe that this is an important, um, it's just an important story to tell because I think a lot of times we get stuck and we feel like the worst thing in the world is happening and we just give up. And I will tell you right now that everything you've ever dreamed on is on the other side of the hard thing that you really feel like you want to give up on. So Keep going, my friends, whatever it may be for you, and please enjoy this episode. I am so excited, Rochelle, to have you on today. I have been dying to chat with you um, on this podcast for like, God, what is it? How long have we been trying to do this? At least a year, I think. Oh, for sure. For sure. If not more. Yeah. (laughs) So I always kind of start off, I let you tell the people that are listening who you are and what you do. Awesome. Um, so I am Rochelle Golden. I live in Northern New Jersey. I am a salon owner at House of Gold Salon, currently now in Randolph, New Jersey. I am a mom to an eight-year-old little girl. I am a color specialist behind the chair. Um, and I have a team currently of 10 and very quickly growing to almost 13. Nice. Yeah. 
So one of the main reasons I wanted to talk with you is because, I mean, we talk about like starting over and resilience and um, a lot of things on this podcast. I like to get a little deeper than just like hair itself. And I think like you are like the perfect person to chat about starting over resilience, <laughs> like all of the things. Um, do you want to tell a little bit about your story about the salon? Absolutely. Um, so I opened up the OG house of gold salon in 2017. Um, and I feel like we made something out of absolute nothing. We were in a, um, a very small downtown area in a town called Netcong. Um, it's demographic is definitely not like the greatest and it has some great surrounding towns for sure, but it was just a quaint little location. The price was right. Um, so I, I just took it and we, we made magic happen in that tiny little salon. I mean, were you an independent stylist and then like went or were you, what, how did that go? Well, independent actually doesn't exist in New Jersey. Um, really? yeah, you can't booth rent. Um, they found a loophole with suites. So long as the door is self-enclosing with a lock, you can open up your own LLC. Um, but you cannot booth rent here. So I was a commission stylist my whole career. And then, um, I was just like, I just had this like fire in my stomach where just something just kept telling me like, you, you got to just pursue it. You just have to try it. You have to, you have to give these dreams of yours a chance. And I did. And then, you know, this, this little salon blew up and I feel like we became, you know, kind of the go-to salon, which is still like pinch me. I can't even believe it's real, but, and I think for my whole team, we 100% feel that way. But, um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we just celebrated our two year anniversary and it was, you know, the holidays behind the chair. So, you know, you can't walk and you can't talk and what's a meal. And, you know, you just work until you you're dead practically. Um, so it was our last day to work before Christmas. And, um, I, at the time lived in the town, uh, that my salon was in. And I got a call from, um, one of my mom's friends that lived fairly close to there that she had seen smoke around the building. We were in a mixed use building. So there's a laundromat next door, a bagel shop next door. Um, so I ran out of the house as fast as I could. And, um, I didn't even have shoes on and I got down there and sure enough, yeah, my, my salon was, was in flames. And it was bad. It wasn't like a small. Oh, no, there was nothing small about that fire. We we can joke about it now. I don't think I was in any mental capacity to joke about it two years ago, but we can joke about it now that it's like, oh shit. Once it hit that, you know, once it hit those ammonia color tubes, like we were done, you know, like, Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Once it hit the hairspray, but you know, it's all fun and jokes now that we made it out to the other side, but watching that happen was, I, I, I don't wish that on anyone, you know, I mean, there are probably so many worse things that could happen to someone, but you know, when you're a business owner in the capacity that I look at myself as a business owner, I love my business in the same regard that I love my child. And in a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I, people pry, love to pry and they're just like, Oh, you're not going to have a second. And it's just like, well, my second is my business. You know, like I, I love my salon the same way I, I, I need to, I need to see it in the same way in order to keep showing up the way that I need to show up and the way that my team deserves me to show up. So to watch that happen uh, and amongst a bunch of other feelings, right? Like, you know, as a mother, all of these thoughts go through your head while you're watching it happen. You're just like, how the hell am I going to feed my child tonight or tomorrow or in a week or 
you know, how the hell am I going to show up on Christmas morning? Like, what does one even do? And, you know, there's a lot of support, like communities of support for a lot of things that you're going through in your life, whether it be divorce or, you know, uh, whatever it might be, but there isn't like this gigantic group of, oh, I just lost my whole business to a fire. Like, come on and chat and we'll walk you through how we did it, you know? So it was, um, there was a lot mentally. That was, that was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as an outsider, I remember when you posted about it and I don't know why it always stands out, but like, I'm not a salon owner. I've never had employees. I mean, I'm independent, but it's always just been me, but I just remember just like, feeling emotional for you, like for you and everyone there, you know, just in general, just like, cause I know even when I had a suite at my tiny little hundred square foot, like that was like my every, that was like my little, yeah. it was my space, you know? And I just remember seeing your post and just like crying a little bit, like for you. And like, cause that really, that really sucks. I mean that like, like, and what do you even say to somebody, you know, like, oh, sorry, you lost your business. Like, like it's like, that's not like nothing. Right. I had a news reporter reach out to me that night and, um, she had like messaged me through some platform. I don't even know. I don't. And she had said something like, you know, oh, we're covering the fire because I mean, it was, it was a five alarm fire in the, you know, in Northern New Jersey. Um, and it wiped out, I think, 11 businesses and two apartments or one apartment. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but 11 businesses were lost that day in, in the building. So it was not just me. And, you know, while I have tried to kind of keep tabs on the other people, I, I, I haven't. Um, from, my, from my understanding, I believe that I'm the only business that has kind of bounced back from it. Um, but a news reporter had reached out and she uh, she had just like, she was just prying for information is the nicest way to put it because I'm not going to be mean about it, but you know, I didn't have anything in me to give her that night. And I was, and I was not nice about it, but I was just like, you know, I, I I just really suggest that unless you have some words of comfort that you go and find someone else to fill your cup of a news story, because someone like myself that just lost everything does not have time for this tonight. Yeah. ever, but tonight, you know, and, and, and she, she was okay about it. She 100% apologized and this and that, and that's media and that's news. And that's another conversation for another day, but <laughs> you know, um, but I, yeah, I don't think that there was anything that anyone could say at all. You know, I, uh, I, I remember, I don't actually don't really remember a lot of it. I feel like that's your brain's response to trauma. And, um, there are a lot, there are like bits of it that will pop in my head, almost like a firework. And it's just like, oh, okay. Um, but if you ask me in chronological order, the things that happened in the way that they did within that week, there's so much that I don't remember and, and probably for, for good reason, you know? Um, but I do remember, uh, at the time I lived in a mother daughter house. So my house was upstairs. And then if you went down the stairs and off to the side was my parents' apartment. Thank God. And I would sit down there with my dad and, um, I asked him the one day and I was, I just looked at him and I'm just like, dad, like, what do people do? Like, if it, like, you can't Google this, 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 like, this doesn't exist, you know, Oh, just lost my business two days ago to a fire. What now? You know, right. Do people just pack up and walk away? Like, dad, what do they do? And he looked at me and he's like, you want the honest truth? And shook my head. And he was like, I think 95% of the people just pack up their bags and move, move on, you know? And, and that was the moment that changed it for me. And I think in my head, I always knew like, of course I'm going to rebuild my whole life is resilience. It's not just the fire. Like 
I've a high school dropout. I opened up my business with $3 in my bank account. Like I, I was never meant to make it quote unquote, you know, and I feel like my whole life has been defying the odds. So why wouldn't this just be something, but to this magnitude was, was, you know, was pretty severe, pretty substantial. But I mean, on the other side, looking back, it's just like, you know, you get through whatever you can get through, whatever you just, you just have to, you just have to trust yourself enough to do it. Do you think that that mindset is something that people are born with, or do you think it's something that they learn? I mean, six, you know, 15 year old little a-hole me probably (laughs) wasn't born with it. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that it's a fire in your belly that you just have, or you don't. Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong or right about that. I think that it's just, you know, some people have that grit and that tenacity and that ability to just pivot when they need to. And I, you know, due to my childhood and such like I thrive in chaos. I, you know, if my world around me is literally crumbling, I can make magic happen in those moments. And it's in the moments where it's quiet and still and calm and peaceful that I get bored. And, um, again, working through that with my business coach has been a real treat. Let me tell you, but you know, I feel like I can totally relate to that. (laughs) You know, I feel like it's just like, Oh, throw a fire at me. Let's, let's do it. You know? And I, again, I can joke about it now, but you know, I feel like that's when the gears in my brain work the best. Um, but yes, I think that, I think that, I think that you just have it, you know, and I, 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 apparently my grandfather was like this, he was an entrepreneur and, you know, and I, I think that those types of people just are there and that's just the way that their brain is ticked and wired and, you know, was there ever a time when you just wanted to go, you know what? I'm not going to rebuild. I, what do I want to do with my life? This isn't, this is like, I, I can't go on. You know what I mean? Like, or were you just like, nope. Like, cause that was, was that the end of 2019? Yeah. So three huh. months later was COVID. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Like, do you look at your glasses half full or half empty for this next part? I, I it would I, I signed my lease the day before we shut down on my building. So, um, you know, walk driving there, everything was eerie. We knew the inevitable was coming. And, you know, back then it was like two weeks. We got this. No oh big- God. I, I literally was just talking about that. Like last week I was like, I remember like shutting down a week early. Like I was like, I'm not going to take any appointments. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought I was so brave. So yeah, ahead of exactly. It. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Only yeah. two weeks. It'll let's, be fine. Yeah, let's look like the same, you know, the mother Teresa's of the freaking neighborhood here exactly. by shutting down early. We got this. Oh, uh, two years God. later, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think that there was ever a moment where I was not going to rebuild. Do I think that there were moments where I didn't know like how, what the hell tomorrow would bring? Sure. Um, and I think that we hit every possible roadblock that we could have ever possibly hit. I think that, you know, we, um, the fire happened, uh, a local salon reached out this guy that I've known for a while. He had a ton of open space in his salon. So we essentially operated house of gold salon out of there. We took our books and just shifted it to his chairs, got a little square machine and process payment that way um, while I was looking. And then I had uh, the salon that I'm in, the space that I'm in now was the first space that I looked at, but it wasn't the actual space. So I'm in a three floor building and they showed me a space on the middle floor. 
And I mean, it was nice, but like, it felt like you were going into a doctor's office and it, it was just, it wasn't what I didn't have a, a vision at this point. I was just like, I just need to set up, set up shop, but going upstairs or an elevator and then through this hallway, it just, I was like, no. So then when I walked downstairs, I was like, you have retail space for rent right there. And the lady was like, oh, you want to see it? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm here. Just like open the door, show me it. So she opens it. And then I realized why she didn't want to show me it because there were no walls. There was no ceiling. There was um, like a stage in the middle of the floor. I don't know what, what the was hell it was. Like a bar or something? It was half of a pharmacy, but they, I don't know. Like, did people like give you their prescription up on like a friggin' pedestal? I had no idea. What <laughs> so, and I was with my dad actually. And, uh, you know, my dad, like you looked at me, I mean, the wall, like what was left of the walls were pink. There was pink tile on the floor. The bathroom was pink. It was I, a pharmacy. It sounds like a strip club. <laughs> well, don't, don't they say that? Um, isn't that like a TikTok thing? Like strippers are called accountants or something. Like that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you could have been. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm a dinosaur at this point. I don't know much about TikTok, but, um, I don't know the TikTok. <laughs> I don't know that I can ask the young girls at my job. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I looked at her and I was just like, you have paperwork on this place? And she was like, you want this? Like, she looked at me like I was nuts. And I'm just like, I mean, a couple miles down the road, everything's literally burnt to a crisp. So, I mean, if we can make something work here, let's do it. It was definitely out of location from where I wanted to be, but again, looking back, it, it has worked out beautifully. Um, so needless to say, I actually looked at a bunch of spaces after that, um, almost signed a lease on a place pretty close to where the fire was. Um, but I probably looked at about another like 20 or so spaces. Um, and then ultimately came back to this place. Uh, and I was just like, listen, if you can meet my needs in a lease, um, I'll sign one. And they did. And I mean, so back to what I was saying, I was driving there and it was March 13th and everything here shut down. I think the 14th or something of that sort. Yeah. I think the 15th um, for us. Yeah. Something just like that. So, um, I drove up there and you know, it's, it was eerie. It was so, you know, signing the paperwork and, you know, my hand is like shaking and I'm just, how am I doing? Like the world is literally about to shut down. Let's do it, you know, but, uh, um, so Yeah. <laughs> That that's that's how yeah. the space came to be, and then you know, COVID happened, and uh, getting a permit was a real treat, and um, getting multiple permits was a real treat during that time, and getting construction up and running was a really good time. But you know, we we did the best we could. Do you have any advice for the salon owners, like um, when they go to like get a space or insurance or anything like that? Like, do you have any like solid like? Insurance. <laughs> like anything insurance uh i mean your policy is going to look extremely overwhelming but make sure that you read it um make sure you go for your highest stretches that you possibly can meaning um you know there's going to be uh windows of monetary value that they're going to be able to give you on things um make sure you read those things make sure you know what they mean um, and also make sure that you understand that while you love your business more than anything, um, in the business world, your business is not worth a lot. And, um, you know, that's why the sale of businesses, you know, these people have, or business owners or whatever that might look like specifically in salon world. I'm going to talk about though, is 
you know, we have this, this deep emotional attachment to our company and that's beautiful. And I mean, a lot of people probably feel the same way that I do and loving their company in the same regard as their child. And that's great. But if we're talking about true financials, you know, your business is only worth so much and, you know, you don't own clients and you don't own a team. And, you know, so trying to explain that to an insurance company, um, which thankfully going into this, I already knew that, but, you know, believe it or not, a lot of the worth specifically in the future of what business ownership is, is your, um, your exposure and your reach on social media and, you know, some value plus depreciation on the items that live in your company. Yeah, that's interesting. That's something I never thought about. Yeah. But, um, God, I feel like we could go so many different directions. Yeah. Um, you were educating before this happened, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I saw you. Did I see you at the network at Gina? Well, yeah. With, yeah. yeah. Was there yep. Place? yep. Um, with, with, uh, what's her face? Um, oh my gosh. Tabitha. My girl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so are you still is just as great as you think she is? I had I to sit in a back room with her. She was like, like just hitting her vape pen nonstop and just, you know, just, I was crap in my pants. I'm just, I have always like, I, there's a part of me. I mean, I probably should just do it. If she's, if they say no, she says no, but I want her on the podcast so bad because I actually heard a podcast with her. You know, I I'm a money coach now where I help people get out of debt and whatnot. And I heard a podcast with her talking about that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to get her on and talk about that yeah, because her view I, of money is brilliant. Yes. And yeah. I just love her. She's funny to me. Plus I like aggression. <laughs> like um, are you still educating? So I took a break. I am coming back this year. I have not, I have not said that yet. So here you go. Here's an exclusive for your podcast. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, we are going to be um, doing a education like via my team. Um, in like a workshop setting. Mm -hmm. Um, my team is incredible. I mean, my, they are incredible. Um, they each specialize in something. So essentially, you know, I'll have a bigger portion of it. Um, and then we'll all branch out into workshops. And when you buy a ticket, you can, um, choose two workshops to sit in for your class. Um, we're hoping to travel and then, um, yeah, I'll probably put a class or two together. I love teaching. It's where my heart's at coaching, teaching, helping. That's, that's, that's my realm. That's where like such a wealth of information, which I love. I feel like it wasn't by choice. It just kind of happened. It's just like, Oh, here's where I messed up. Let's, let's keep that on a notepad. Um, Right. Well, isn't that uh, everyone who teaches hundred percent? Absolutely. And I honestly think think that's the most relatable education too. Exactly. And if you didn't mess up, I don't think you should teach it. Amen. <laughs> yeah. You didn't fry someone's hair off. Mm, I don't want to do your class. No. Right. Well, That's at the end of the 100%. day, this kind of circles back around to everything we just talked about in the last 20 minutes. But um, at the end of the day, you know, your failures teach you the most. You know, and not that the fire is considered a failure necessarily, because it's not like you took a match to your salon, but, but still like, I think that the hard, the really, really hard times or the times that you feel like you don't want to keep going are when you learn the most, when you do keep going. Absolutely. So there's, um, my business coach is a dream and we talk a lot about this, um, 
there's like considered four phases of success and, you know, one, I won't bore you with all four of them, but phase three is actually the painful part. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this cycle that people keep going where they just keep bouncing back to phase one, because it feels so good that they can't push through the pain. So they just keep cycling through phase one, two, and three, one, two, and three, one, two, and three. But phase four is when you actually manifest and you actually allow your dreams to come into fruition because you have to push through the pain. And yeah, I 100% can relate to that. I feel like that is that I, I feel like I have allowed myself to do that in multiple instances and, um, the fire 100% being that, uh, being one of them. So, yeah, I think, um, I know, you know, so in what last year, what year is it? <laughs> it's, it's 2022. In September, 2020, I stopped working behind the chair for 10 months to pursue coaching. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And then went back one day a week. And it's been really interesting because last year was kind of like the, you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm going to do this thing. And this year, now that I'm doing it, it's like, I have created a new person and I have created a new life. And now I have to figure out that part. And I think that anytime you are going through those phases and, you know, you don't expect that. Yeah. You just expect that I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to feel great if that's it. And it's like, oh, you can do the thing, but now you have to be a different, like you have a, you've created a different life that you now have to live in that like nobody can plan for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting journey. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, that first phase, right. Where we think of all of these brilliant ideas. Oh, I'm going to shift and become an educator. Oh, I'm going to, you know, specialize in this or, Oh, I'm going to open up a salon, whatever that first phase is. It's so exciting and invigorating and it's, it's addictive. It really, really is. And, you know, I think that so many people can't physically get through to actually manifest like manifestation, allowing, allowing it to fully come into fruition that they just keep jumping back to that phase one. And, you know, and, and, and that's a lot of, of the difficulty in it is, you know, each time that you keep like ricocheting almost between the really painful part and then bouncing back to phase one is just like, you know, one that this is a double-edged sword of of a comment is, you know, it's short-term pain that you have to get through or a lifetime of suffering in in actuality, or on the other side of it is just like you said, you know, it's just like at at some point you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and just say, okay, well, well, what's that roadblock and, and, and why is it stopping me? And I, I feel like through the process of, of the fire, some, but definitely opening up in my new salon and becoming a leader at the capacity that I had to, our team doubled. Um, I made a ton of mistakes. Um, but you know, I had to have one of those, aha, uh-huh, little come to Jesus moments of just like, Rochelle, who are you? Who are you as a leader? Who are you as a mom? Who are you as a partner? Who are you as you? And you know, what is, what's the issue here? What's, what's happening? What's okay. It's not, you know, okay. You came back in pandemic world. Okay. It's not, your original salon. Okay. X, Y, and Z, but how do you need to show up right now? And what can you do right now to, to grow from this and to, to push through, you know? Yeah. That internal awareness, do you enjoy it or not enjoy it? I love it. Like when I have like a, like a realization, I'm like, like, I I'm like, Oh, I have more direction. Like now I know what I can like 
focus on. Um, but some people do everything they can to just avoid it. Run from it. But again, then it's a lifetime of suffering, you know, yeah. what, while you're running, you're equally, it ain't great. You know, Mm-mm. you can mask yeah. it and whatever it is that you want to mask it in. But, um, for me now, yes, I love it. I feel like I have this very deep awareness of who I am as a person, um, in, in every facet, which is unbelievable to me. Um, but I spent a lot of my twenties running from it for sure. Oh yeah. Same, same. Now I like, see, you should see the amount of books I have next to my bed. (laughs) I got about 40 right over there. Oh, I, yeah. So that's just like the ones I've already read. Then I have like four by my bed where I have like a parenting one. I have like a self-help one. I have like a money one. Like I literally like, what mood am I in tonight? Like let's, (laughs) um, but it is interesting. Cause sometimes like, like this week I had like this, like epiphany, um, and it was because I was, I had this like crazy awareness that I'm like, Oh, like, like, okay, now I'm in a whole different form of my life where I'm not getting the same validation that I was getting behind the chair all the time. You know, when you work behind the chair, you walk in, you make somebody happy, they hand you money. You like, you can see, you can touch, you can feel your business, this thing. Right. And like, I've, that's been my whole life. I mean, my whole, you know, I've been behind the chair for 19 years, I think this year. And now like coaching is a whole different thing. Coaching is here's your information. Bye. (laughs) You know, and hope that they, you know, do something with it. And I had this like crazy thought of like, okay, I'm so used to like having money, working, going somewhere, getting dressed, going somewhere, being handed money. And that felt good to me. And now it's like, okay, I'm being sent money via online, which is a lot different than someone handing you money. I will say absolutely. you're still serving people, but not as much hour wise, you know? And it's like, but what I realized it was the, I thought the money was the problem in my mind. And I realized that it was the validation. Yeah. So my awareness was I need to learn how to validate myself. Yeah. And not seek outside validation. And it like has blown my mind this week, but now it's like, okay, now that I've got that, where do I go from here? Well, and I think like you said too, right. Like for, you've been doing this for 19 years. This is my 15th year. Um, you get so used to that instant gratification of client in client out. They smile client in client out. They're great client in client out. You made their day. And if you get that three to four times a day, four to five days a week, I mean, you're feeling like uh, untouchable, I, you know? Um, but again, you know, when you lose that, you know, that's a lot of internal work too. Absolutely. 100%. I, I would say that I'm definitely pretty close to there with you. I would say that while I enjoy being behind the chair, um, those days will, uh, I don't think that I will ever give it up for good. I do think that I will drop down to one day a week very soon. Um, and you know, my, I don't want to say validation, but my, my joy and my, my fulfillment has definitely come from watching my team blossom into like these, I, I, I don't even think that some of them recognize themselves from like where they were to where they are now, you know? Um, and that's what I love. And I think that finding that for yourself and knowing that that can live in multiple avenues too, is, um, is really cool. A really cool, really cool space to be in. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, and just, it's like, every time I think like, oh, I, I got me, I know how I work. (laughs) 
<laughs> when she switches like, up on you. Yeah. Then, then something else sneaks in and, and, and I love it now. Like now it's turned into like an obsession almost, you know, it's like, how can I be the best version of myself? Whatever that looks like. And it's like, some days it's exhausting though. I mean, you probably know some days uh-huh. I just be comfortable and I don't, you know, but then it goes back to the doing hard things mm-hmm. because it's amazing, you know, what you can do if you pass past, if you get past that hard part. Yeah. And then one Absolutely. day you're sitting in the space and you're like, oh my God, I did it. So, um, one of the girls that, um, I work with, uh, she's been with me since day one. Um, she, uh, we had this one moment, it was a Saturday, um, maybe a Friday. I think it was a Saturday and we were jammed in the salon, in the new space. And, uh, that was like, that was that moment for me where I looked around and just like absolute admiration of just like, holy shit, we did it. Like we freaking did it. And, and I walked over, she was shampooing a client and I walked over to her and I whispered in her ear. I was like, you ever have those moments where you like look around and you're just like, holy shit. I was like, that's my moment right now. And she was like, yeah, I, like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, but it was hard, you know, like, uh, going back to the salon real quick, you know, when we opened, it was, barriers here and no waiting room and, you know, text us when you come in and make sure that you put hand sanitizer on and we have masks on. And it was so not salon world. It was, it was just so far past what I ever knew and what NetCong ever was. So it took a really long time for that space to feel like home and for us to feel good in it and feel, I guess for me, like to feel, you know, safe in it and have that feeling. Um, and when it happened, it was like, oh my God, you know, it, yeah. was, uh, it, it was cool. What would you say to the stylist or owner or whoever that's listening, um, that's in a hard spot in their life? Um, you will make it through 100% of your bad days. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I will always preach Robin on Peloton. Cause that's my girl. <laughs> um, my girl, I don't know what it will take for me and her to link up and sit in a room together, but I will manifest it right now. There um, you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. She says it on the bike all the time. And the first time that I heard it, I cried because uh, yeah. Uh, so it was um, actually very, very coincidentally, I got my bike like 11 months after the fire and the morning of the one year anniversary of the fire, I was just like a wreck and I took a ride and then I went to work and um that was the first time I heard her say it on a ride. And I was just like, Oh oh my God. Um, but yeah, every, every bad day is temporary. And I think if you look back to, you know, if you're 20 years old, 30 years old, 50 years old, you've made it through 50 years of your bad days. You've made it through 25 years of your bad days. Every single one of them is coming on and it might have bent you, but it didn't break you. And, you know, our good days will, will soften the blows and, another obstacle will come and you're going to make it through that too. Yeah. My, um, my newest thing is, um, I trust myself. That's like my newest affirmation because I think about that. I think of all the other hard times that have ever happened, you know, and -hmm. it's like, well, I got myself through that. Why can't I get myself through this? Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's a good, it's just a constant reminder of like, I don't know, just trusting, trusting yourself and, and the universe or God or whatever, you know, um, is there to provide for you as long as you're stepping in the right direction and taking things one day at a time. Absolutely. Cause I feel like the anxiety just lives in the big 
idea of something. I think but if, what anxiety is, is, you know, we can't live in today. We need to try and control tomorrow. And I think that, you know, some people's brains are unfortunately wired in a way that they cannot not live in that mindset. And I'm a huge mental health advocate. Um, I by no means am minimizing what anxiety is. Um, I see it for exactly what it is. Um, but I think that it is, you know, a gift for sure that I never saw coming in my 32 years of life is just being able to just be where my feet are, just be present and, you know, home with a sick kid today, just be home with a sick kid today. You know, everything else is figure outable tomorrow. Yeah. And I mean, gratitude goes a long way like that. So like manifestation, gratitude, things like that are something that I've struggled with. And I talk a lot about this on this podcast because like, I'm not like, I always say I'm not a woo-woo person. I'm starting to think I am one and I just don't want to admit it. (laughs) Um, But like, I never really understood the purpose of gratitude. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, I've got, there's like a cool life, like cool. Like, I don't know. I never, but now I get it. Cause when I start getting anxious, I will start looking around and being like, like, what am I anxious about? I have a beautiful son and I love my home and my husband, you know what I mean? And then it's like, then all of a sudden I'm thankful for where I am and it, it calms my anxiety, you know? And so I think stuff like that goes a really long way. Um, I said it, (laughs) I couldn't agree more. It takes a long time to figure all this out though. I mean, I was, were you a bad teenager? I mean, I know your daughter's back there. We're going to talk too much, but (laughs) let's just say she will never get away with shit. Yes. Okay. So same. (laughs) Um, I feel like it was, it's all like a lot of, it's the hard headedness that got me as far as I did. It like still to this day. Absolutely. But it's also the same thing that got me in trouble. And I think (laughs) realizing that sometimes like what I thought was a weakness is actually a strength. Absolutely. So it's funny you said that I'm, I was going through a little tiff of some things that have happened at my daughter's school. And, you know, I had to meet with the principal and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, you know, I had said to them in this meeting and I was just like, you know, I was like, I understand that, you know, we just automatically as people create boxes and, you know, things need to fold up and fit perfectly in those boxes, but I will never allow you or an institution such as this or the world make my daughter or myself, but specifically we're talking about my daughter feel like she needs to shrink or take up less space or quiet the noise that she feels that is important to, to be heard just so that those boxes go according to plan for you. Mm. I will never, I will never allow that, you know, and, and I hope that from the conversation that we had that day, that I mean, it's public school, another conversation, <laughs> but, we have lots um, of conversations. <laughs> um, but I hope that if anybody's even, you know, going to listen to the podcast or whatever it may be is, you know, the world wants, you know, the world's, the world will make you feel like there's a box that you need to fit into and you need to lose weight to fit into that box, or you need to quiet yourself to fit into that box. Or as a woman, you need to, you know, understand your role to fit in that box. Um, but I mean, screw the boxes. Like there is you, you know, when you, and going back to the teenage years, you know, of course I was a pain in the ass teenager. And of course I was a jerk to my mom. And of course, I mean, I dropped out of high school at 16 because I just 
there were some really horrible things that had happened when I was 16 and I missed a lot of school and I wasn't even probably going to pass the grade, but something in me was just like, you know, I don't have to continue doing what has always been done because that's the way that we're just going to continue to do it. I can create my own little path and I have, and that's actually very much how I operate my company too, is just because salon world has looked how salon world has always looked does not mean that house of gold salon will operate that way because it's just the stereotype of how a salon runs morning to night, you know? And, uh, once I think once you just, once that light bulb goes off in your mind, you know, that you don't have to fit into any mold, you don't have to, you don't have to be anything other than whatever back to the fire in your stomach is telling you to do. It's such a liberating feeling because you don't need anyone's approval or validation or claps or applauses or pats on the back. You're, you're doing it actually for you, you know? And the more you lean into that, the people that you enjoy being in your life start showing up. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's a hard part is people want to be accepted and they want to be in a pact. That's just like our human design, whatever you want to call it. Um, And when they feel rejected, they feel like they're not enough. They're not good enough. They're not doing things right. But it's like, yeah, but like, if you lean into what you, what makes you feel good, like those people that you enjoy, not that they enjoy you, that you like, and like, they will come. And I think that that's, that's something that I've had to work on a lot because I thought I didn't give a crap what people thought. And the last like two years, I realized that I think it, I care a lot more than I thought that I did. And I'm real. I've been working on it actively. And it's like, I'm like even leaning into like dressing differently. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I feel good. And I don't care, you know, and it's like a weird, but so I just think some things we just don't even realize like, no, I'm hard headed. I do what I want. I don't care. And it's like, well, actually that's not true. Right. And it it boils back to, you know, you're running from something. We don't have that attitude out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I, I mean, any kind of mental health stuff I love to chat about because I just think that, um, I think it's important. I think that not, well, I, I like that it's being talked about more. Like, you know, we're seeing it a lot more on Instagram and things like that, which that's a whole, that's actually something I want to chat with you about a little bit, because you're a big advocate of resting from the social media. <laughs> you said I'm allowed to curse on here, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> hate Instagram. I fucking hate it. Talk to me about that. Uh, uh, okay. um, <laughs> listen. Has it served its purpose in some incredible ways? Yes. Has it allowed a spotlight to be shown on my sweet little company? Yes. Are there many of things that it is good for? Absolutely. It is essentially, it has taken marketing, like jobs that would be marketing departments for a company like myself or whatever that might be and allowed you to digitalize it and streamline it for free. And no, that's not me, you know, saying like, oh, it liquidated jobs or anything like that. I, I don't know. I think it's just, I think that what it is there for is incredible. I think that the capacity that it holds and the amount of, the amount of things that it conceals and does not normalize is, is where my frustration lies. You know, I think that it is so easy to look at a social media page like mine or like yours or whatever that may be 
and um, say, you know, oh God, she's living the dream or, oh, this is, you know, oh God, I want what she has. And it's just like, you, you don't even know the half of it. You don't even know 20% of it, you know, of that. I wake up at 5.00 AM and hop right on my computer and get to work. And, you know, um, that this dream came with days and weeks and months of really, really hard work. And, you know, and I, I think that that's, you know, uh, partly my fault as well, like not, not posting the ugly of it, but I think that, you know, I think that in the world of influencers and, and this and that, I think that, you know, when you start adding money into the equation of posting and such like that, you, you dilute the authenticity a little bit. And I think that you remove the real life factor and the human behind the, 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 the digital part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I a hundred percent. I have a love hate relationship with it because I think my self-awareness self that like wants to like figure out what, like I have a problem with scrolling. I'm fully aware that it is like a problem. And I'm again, actively working on that um, because it comes around to the validation thing. I'm like, wait, I want to talk to somebody. I'm going to scroll and I'm going to wait for someone to talk to me so I can feel good about myself. I'm aware, (laughs) hate it. Absolutely. Literally hate it. Um, but it's happening. And so I have this like hard time with social media where, and this happened to me with hair too. When I was behind the chair full time, I felt like I had to do all the things right. Right. Like you have to have the pretty pictures and you have to write, have the right captions and you have to do this. And then the clients will come and like, there was all these rules. And again, like, I don't like rules that much. Like, um, and it wasn't until, especially behind the chair that I realized, you know what? I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. I'm just going to talk like I would talk to you face to face that my business benefited from Instagram. And it's interesting now being in a different space, having to relearn that again. Oh yeah. You know, because especially now, like, especially now all you're getting is like, you should do it like this. You should do it like that. You should do it like this. And it is so hard to like, not listen to it, you know? So like, you know, Oh, you're supposed to do reels. You're supposed to blah, blah, blah. I still get the best engagement when I just sit down and have something on my mind and just type it out. Right. So it's like, I think you have to find what works for you and just shut the noise out. And if it doesn't feel good, don't look at it. (laughs) 100%. Um, so actually on my, on my page, I do not follow a lot of hair pages. I don't follow the big hair pages. I don't follow a ton of stylists. I don't follow a lot of salons. I follow a lot of target stuff. I follow a lot of Peloton stuff. I follow a lot of like a couple cat pages because I love cats. I follow some motherhood stuff, some organization stuff. I follow things that will fill my cup up. Yeah. Um, I will say that I took a really long break from my page and I don't know what the hell's happened to Instagram since, but like, you know, I get like no engagement on this. That's a whole nother situation. Yeah. It doesn't like, it doesn't bother me. I don't. And, and, and I think that like going back to what we just said is, you know, I think that that's like such a, such a big moment for me that I can just truly say like, I don't care. It's fine. I'm going to post my work. I'm going to post where I stand with my company. I'm going to post where I'm at in my life. And the eyes that are supposed to see it, see it. And, you know, I don't, and, and, and I think, you know, that that is such like, that's such a pain point 
for me with social media is like, you know, we work on a lot of goal setting at my job. I coach my team one-on-one monthly. Um, I sit down with them face-to-face and and we have a full-fledged coaching session. And a lot of it is based on their goals. And some of their goals in the beginning was, well, I want to be featured by a big page. And I would look them dead in the eyes. And I'm just like having having worked for a big company, which was atrocious. Having worked for multiple medium range companies was atrocious. You know, I, why do you want that? What is it that you're searching for from that? What, what is that going to do for you tomorrow that you don't already have today? Mm-hmm. Other than a bunch of random people from the world, liking the picture and starting to follow your page, because it's not going to equate to monetary anything. It's just going to equate to a bunch of other hairstylists looking at you for a brief minute, you know? And, and, yeah. and I think that once I was able to detach that from you know, when I was able to kind of detach that mindset in regard to social media, the balance there was a lot healthier and my relationship with it became a lot healthier. And, you know, I, I say what I have to say and I'm pretty unapologetic about it. And, you know, uh, my company says what it has to say, and it is also very unapologetic about it. And, and, and we just ride the wave, you know, that's why I like you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm, uh, um, I'm, I'm not here to make the person next to me happy. I'm yeah. I'm yeah. It's- a little corner of the interweb a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Better. So I started following things that make me happy too, because I, because I, at this point I'm like, okay, I know that like, so like I'm going to scroll, like I've gotten better, trust me, <laughs> but I know it's going to happen. So I don't want stuff that's going to make me feel bad. I don't want stuff that's going to make me feel like I'm not doing enough. So I love following like, like stuff, like what's the guy's name, Jimmy darts that, gives money. Like he, do you follow him? Oh, oh I'm, I'll send you his thing. You'll love it. So he basically, he's this random, I think he's a teenager. I don't know. Maybe he's in his twenties. He looks young, but he, people donate money to him and then they tell him what to do with the money. So they'll say, they'll, they'll say like, go to Walmart and find a single mom and he'll walk up to her and he'll, and he'll say something like, Hey, like, will you sing you know, will you buy me this notebook? He'll pick up like a dollar thing. And if she says, yes, he gives her like $500 or a thousand dollars. And like, I love it. It makes my day. I like, like every day I have to watch one of his videos. Um, so it just changes it a little bit because social media, again, I I have like a love hate. I've made some amazing connections because of hundred percent. I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I think that, you know, if, you know, if we just, if, if we maintain the consciousness of like, you know, keeping, making sure that the good is always outweighing the bad, then it's going to be fine. And in the meantime, you know, if my issue with social media is that, you know, uh, a lot of the ugly and the messy and the actual life is getting lost in translation, then I'll, I'll do my part to post that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think people, if you're listening, like, like kind of like you said, with the wanting to get you know, reshared by a big brand, like you really have to know your why in anything you do because somebody's saying that, but what is the reason? Right. You know, is like, just because you see other people getting it. I mean, do you, are you expecting money from it? Are you wanting more follow? Like, what is the, and you don't, you don't want the money from it. Cause they're going to 1099 you. So congrats. right. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, another you conversation for another day. <laughs> and you don't want the followers. Like if you were just a style, like you said, like follow, I'll tell you right now, now I don't have a ton of followers. Don't get me wrong. But like, I, I thought when I became a coach, like the money would come quickly. 
I'm not going to lie. I did. I, I, people engaged with me. They liked what I had to say. I thought that's all I had to do. And that's not true. (laughs) That is not true at all. So I think there is this misconception that if you have lots of people following you, it it equates to dollars. Oh, she must be rolling in it. Yeah. And it is not, it is not the case. Um, So I think, um, yeah, figuring out why do you want the thing that you're saying that you want? Right. But I also think that like, if you are building and you are, you know, the other side of it is I think that it has given, you know, this younger, newer oncoming stylist, this false sense of, you don't have to work extremely hard for it, you know? And I do believe that, you know, hustle culture needs to take a back seat. That was the, the, the realm that I was brought up in this industry and in was, you know, you are only as good as how many people you can cram into your day. And I love that that has been so publicly shamed and like, you know, screw you for whoever invented that. And I think that that was really a part of the, um, massive blowout with, you know, why commission salons could be so toxic. Um, but I think that these younger girls that are coming in, just think that they can just come behind the chair and choose a specialty and it's all just going to come in rolling. And it's like, sweetheart, you have got to learn the benefit of working really hard, you know, not, not for, obviously we have bills to pay, but you know, life isn't easy. And if you don't figure out how to navigate through, you know, difficult times and and work hard and understand the, what comes with working hard, you know, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally like, And even, and I, again, this is a conversation I have often here too, because like the hustle culture thing, like, um, somebody said on here once hustle with intention. And I really liked that because that's like, you're opening a salon. You're going to be hustling. You're like, there's going to be times in your life where you have to hustle there. But if the hustle lasts a long period of time, that's when the burnout happens. Oh, absolutely. So like when I was, uh, working, you know, commissioned at a, a commission stylist at a local salon before I opened, I was, I mean, I made good money. Don't get me wrong, but physically, I mean, I was, I was dead. I couldn't, I could, you know, I, my feet were killing me. My legs were killing me. I didn't go to, I didn't freaking pee for 12 hours, you know, and I would do that back to back to back four days straight with a young daughter at home. And, you know, that in no way, shape or form, can ever come back to being deemed acceptable. Um, but there are certain things that I had learned that I have learned from that and taken from that, that have benefited me exponentially, you know? So I think, yeah, listen, I think that anything that you want for yourself and anything that that fire in your stomach is telling you to do is worth hustling for, but there has to be like an, there has to be an end date and there has to be like an end goal that and a destination that you have to reach. And then you can chill out for a minute and then, you know, know that, you know, you got to pick back up and you got to continually work, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think people figure it out eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when the bills are due. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that social media has helped in some aspect of that, but I think that taking certain things with a grain of salt, you know, not everything you see on social media is 
going to work for you or is the truth or, you know, um, kind of if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right for you, you know, and don't let it make you feel like crap either, you know? So I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. I mean, I grew up in the time where like you, you know, referrals were how you built your business. You walked around shopping centers and passed out business cards. Oh yeah, That's how I built my clientele, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's, I, I do feel, um, I feel like the niching down thing can get blurred on what that actually means. You know, coming right out of hair school, I only want to do um, extensions or whatever. Well, how do you know? How do you know that? Maybe you would love doing this or that, or you know what I mean? Like, you know, and and for me, there's like a certain person I like in my chair. If they want a root touch up, fine. Right. I, but I want to feel good in my, you know, so it's like, it, I don't know. It's like, I guess I feel like so old now. Like I'm like the old stylist. But also understanding that just because you're not good at it, well, nobody was good at anything the first four or five times, oh, you, did, you know? At all. And, and I see that then, <laughs> you know, at, you know, with girls that I've worked with or, you know, employees that I've had or whatever it might be, they, it's just this instant and it's your reactivity system. You're 100, 100% it's how you're reacting to something. But, you know, oh, um, I don't want to do that anymore. Okay. Well, why? Well, I don't like how it came out. Okay. Well, if I said that about anything, I'd, I'd be, you wouldn't be doing anything. I mean, my God, I sucked at everything I did when I first started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, and I think like, I've never liked updos, right. I was in a commission for 14 years and I had to do them, but after 14 years, I still don't like them. Like, I'm not going to do them anymore. Like I, you know, I think that there's still, yes. So while we are a commission salon, we definitely have a lot of freedoms in that regard that if a, if one of my team, you know, one of my team members comes to me and they're like, listen, I hate doing this. I'll take it out of their book. I, and there are also services that we just don't offer there. Um, and we definitely focus towards what someone's specialty is. And I coach them on how to find their lane and stick to it and nurture it and let it grow. But in the meantime, I mean, you know, if you have a mortgage to pay and a car payment to pay, like you're going to want to take, you know, the, the one hour appointment that you, you know, were hoping was a three hour appointment, you know, with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm curious to see, do you have a prediction on like where the industry is going. Cause I'm very curious to see what it's going to look like in 10 years. So I think that a lot of, um, yeah, so I do, I do. Um, so I think that specialty is definitely the, the wave of the future. I think that it's already happening right now. I don't want to go to a doctor. I need to go to a doctor for this because of this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go to the girl down the street because she has time to do my haircut. I want to go to the person, you know, right there that I found them and I saw their work and this and that. And I see it even with myself, with things that I'm, you know, trying to schedule for myself. I just got a massage a couple of days ago, which was the first massage in literally five years. So don't let me fool you, but you know, I vetted the chick. Like I found, I read the reviews and made sure that, you know, someone else out there liked her and, you know, like it's, you know, so I definitely think that specializing is 100% something that is going to stay and and in fact, blow up. Um, and I think that like digitalizing your company is definitely the, the, the wave of the future too. So for us, we're, 
we um, are no longer going to be selling retail in salon. Everything is done digitally um, among so many other things. There's so many things that are coming. Um, I think that paying for time is definitely the wave of the future. So we are switching to hourly in a couple of weeks. Um, I think that gratuity is going to be out the window. Um, we are switching to gratuity free in a couple of weeks. Um, the, I, I think that the evolution of this industry is here and either you kind of jump on it or you don't, you know? And I think that we, we are not servers or bartenders. And if we want to shout from the virtual rooftops that we need to charge our worth, then we need to act accordingly as well. Yes. I've been saying that for a long time. It's like, you treat it like a hobby. It's going to treat you like a hobby. It's Absolutely. the, it's the same You want to accept a tip like a bartender, then okay. But if you want to be deemed as necessary as a nurse, then you got to put your big girl pants on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so true. Okay. I'm going to ask you the one question that I try to remember <laughs> to ask all of my guests. <laughs> and I feel like we kind of covered it anyway, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is the number one quote unquote failure in your life that you're the most thankful for? Oh, Ooh, everyone makes that sound. <laughs> uh, I just got a little teary eyed thinking of that. Um, can it be personal and not career related? Whatever you want it to be. Yep. Okay. So uh, my significant and other and I have been on and off for 12 years, um, very on and very off. Um, we grew up together. We had a child together very young. Um, and we have messed up more times than I can count on hands and feet and other people's hands and feet. Um, but I am, I am so glad for every single one of those failures because, uh, I am, I am, I'm just so grateful because we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today with this family that we have today. And in turn, you know, he was right by my side when I opened up my company and, you know, he, he was there with me when I was spackling walls at the new location. And, uh, I don't post anything personal on social media, so you'll never see any of that on social, but, um, uh, yeah, that is 100%. Had we had not effed up as many times as we have, I don't think that we would love each other the way that we do. That's beautiful. I love that. Michelle, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This Glad is we finally got to tell all the listeners where they can find you. Ah, so me personally, um, on Instagram at Rochelle Golden Hairstylist. Um, I am everything behind at House of Gold Salon as well. Um, if you're ever in New Jersey, specifically northern New Jersey, because while New Jersey looks very tiny on a map, it's 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 a long drive. Um, so if you're in northern New Jersey, please come and visit. We are only 45 minutes west of the George Washington Bridge. Um, and yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing more of you this year, especially education wise. Thank you. I can't wait to see you sometime. <laughs> Bye. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you like what you hear, screenshot this episode, post it on the gram, tag me at Misty Jane or tag the podcast at Backroom Beauty Talks, and I will talk with you on the next one.